Danielle, good morning, and welcome everyone to Live Dharma Sunday for August 21st, 2016. Koyo Kubose here. So very, very glad you joined us. Well, I'd like to share. Uh, I went to a funeral service yesterday, and uh, the family as they shared their memories. Um, it was a, a, a 72-year-old man who passed away, and uh, he had two daughters. Um, they were both married. Um, he has a lot of siblings. It was a big funeral. And his, a lot of his nephews and so forth were sharing comments on the eulogy. And afterwards, the minister that was doing the uh, making minister's Dharma message uh, made the point that as he listened to all the memories shared by the family, a lot of the impactful ones were little things. Um, you know, we we normally think about being grateful to a loved one for, you know, so, sort of very large, so-called important uh, events that were shared, and that's true. But the exact was given was there were. A lot of gratitude expressed for so little things are big things. Unimportant things are important things. If you wanted to talk in a kind of a Buddhist language, I guess. But for example, one nephew, well, used to get together for family gatherings and when Uncle Jerry was coming over, I really would look forward to it because he always played catch with me. Whether it was uh, get a glove and a ball or whether it was a football, he would play catch with me for a long time. And he continued and said, I think that really uh, reinforced my interest in sports and and made uh, me go in that direction in my my adulthood and my livelihood and everything. And um, this man, Jerry, was a very avid uh, sports fan. And uh, he followed uh, football, baseball. Uh, for some reason, he was, uh, even though this, he was raised in Central California, he was a New York Yankees fan. And one of the nephews, when he went up to the, uh, microphone. He took off his sports coat and he and he had a he had a Yankee jacket up there and he put that on while he made his comments. Um, and Jerry was also a very avid fisherman. And another nephew said that there happened to be he remembers there was a newspaper article 
that, that featured him and had a big picture of him in the newspaper, and a big deal was made out of this, and he was so young that anybody that was in the newspaper must have been a hero, and he remembered that so much. And maybe that's why he became a, a fly fisherman too. And when I saw the, the blow-up that the family had of this picture, it was a really nice picture. You know, sometimes they have uh, uh, picture boards in the back and a lot of pictures, uh, family pictures. And But they had one that was a blow-up of this newspaper article and a picture in the picture of Jerry standing in the middle of a, a stream and he, he was fly casting. And you could see that line go behind him and curve around and there's nothing as graceful as seeing a, a, a cast, a line that's being whipped around and you know how, how you see a, a picture of that caught that's curving line and and uh, when someone mentioned the river runs through it and nephew said I love that movie I saw that movie four times and uh, indeed that picture of Jerry cast using his fly rod uh, reminded a lot of people of that movie but I think the important uh, Dharma message was be aware of the importance and the impact of little things when we interact with other people. Those the little things are the ones that are going to be most memorable, you know. And I think we should take that to heart and change our sort of definitions of big and little and important, unimportant. Okay, well, for today's guest, I'd like to introduce Ken Kenyo. Uh, because his name is Ken, I that is a very common uh, uh, kanji or calligraphy, a Chinese calligraphy character in uh, uh, you know in writing, and uh, had a lot of good meaning. So I kept that because of his first name being Ken, and I gave him the Dharma name Kenyo. Yo. Uh, so for Ken Kenyo, uh, he lives in Colorado, and he was part of our LM7 group, and he wants to share Dharma Glimpse with us today. Greetings, senseis and Dharma brothers and sisters. It's my privilege to share some thoughts with you today. I'd like to speak on cultivating beginner's mind and how it may be related to cultivating your garden. What does it mean to be a beginner? To be a beginner is to be someone who starts from the beginning. The beginning is the very first step of any process. If we are beginners in painting, we have no previous painting experience. We do not know about many things involved in creating a painting. We may not know how to choose a canvas or the paints. We may not know how to compose an interesting picture and how to make it look to us as we would normally see with our own eyes. All these things are new to us. We must start from a point of knowing nothing and not having any skill in each of these previously mentioned areas. 
As a result, everything is new. We represent what may be called a blank slate, or in Buddhist terms, a mind that has no preconceptions about experiences or sensations. We are this way mainly because we have no previous experience in painting. In cultivating a garden, we begin where we are, with the soil as it is. Isn't that in itself a good metaphor for life? If we want to practice Buddhism, we start where we are, now, with what we have. We recognize that the best time to start is now because every time is the best time, and the now is all we have. There are many aspects to cultivating a garden that we must consider. What do we wish to grow? In Buddhism, what aspects do we wish to cultivate? Do we want a more peaceful mind? Do we want better control of our emotions? Do we long to experience Buddha's peaceful, accepting nature of suchness? On one particular occasion, I had the advantage of using a raised bed for a garden. The soil looked good, but I did not know its history. I loved tomatoes. I was ambitious in planting them. By the end of the year, I had a tomato jungle. I had way more tomatoes than I needed, and it was a lot harder for me to care for them. Unfortunately, some of the tomatoes fell to the ground, benefiting no one, until the following year when they reincarnated as volunteer tomato plants. Buddhist practice and study is vast and wide. We must narrow this wide array of options to something that we can more realistically accomplish. My next year's garden was a lot more modest in scope. As for our garden, we must next consider what have we to work with. What preparation is necessary? Of course, we must prepare the soil by tilling it, then leveling it, to encourage the water to flow to the plants. How about our Buddhist practice and study? How do we tend to our conscious mind? Have we prepared it to receive, as a beginner, what we study with an open mind, as if it were the first time we had heard it? Does our attention run to the heart of the message, or wander away from our practice? A while back I started a new job. This required that I take a different route from my home. I wanted to use a particular route to get there. I studied the maps and then plotted my course. During my first trips, I was a beginner. My mind was wide open. I read all of the signs and looked down the road for upcoming landmarks. I succeeded in my plans for taking a new path to get to work. As time went on, I began to pay less attention to the detail of my travel plan. I could guide myself by major landmarks and not require the detail I had previously used to guide me. Was this good? Yes and no. It was good in the sense that I could pay more attention to the traffic and perhaps drive more safely. It was not good in the sense that I might have missed important detail along the way. For example, a sign signifying a detour or a road condition warning. Beginner's mind encourages us to return to the now, not to rely on preconceptions or assumptions that we have formed from past experience. Take the Four Noble Truths in the Eightfold Path. We all know them. Can we imagine ourselves being at Lord Buddha's first discourse? We would not know what he would say. 
How would we react to what he had to say? I would suspect that we would savor every word, and in between pauses we would reflect on the personal meaning of what he said. The Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path would be an exhilarating experience. We can make it that way now by taking each Buddhist teaching in the spirit of a beginner's mind. Treat each concept as if we are beginning, because we are. Many of the most powerful teachings for life are found in the simple, uncomplicated concepts of Buddhism. Beginner's minds helps us to remove the preconceptions that might have previously guided us. Heraclitus, the Socratic Greek philosopher, said, No man ever steps in the same river twice, for it is not the same river, and he's not the same man. This quote is important for two reasons. First, the Buddhist concept of impermanence implies a field of constant change. The river is not the same from one moment to the next, nor is the person who put their foot into the river. In cultivating our garden, if we do our work with preconceptions, thinking that everything remains the same, we may miss important signs the garden has shown us that indicate its need for attention. A plant needs water, or an insect may need to be removed. Second, we change. Have you ever read a book more than once? Isn't it interesting how something jumps out at you catching your attention and causing you to wonder why it didn't before? That is because your impermanent self and your surrounding change conditions have put you into a different point of view. The quote that did not seem as powerful before now comes into focus with new meaning and purpose. Obviously, the quote did not change. It was right there all along. You and or your situation changed, and that made all the difference. Beginner's mind encourages us to cultivate an attitude of constant renewal or constant questioning and an openness to the possibility that, though we had passed this way once before, the path is now different. There are new lessons to be learned and comprehended. As our garden grows and matures, its requirements change. The time of its beginning, a time that is delicate and fragile for its start, gives way to more mature and robust plants. Our task changes from one of constant support to reaping the harvest of the now more sturdy plants. Where I live, a sad day will come where the frost will move in and kill the plants. The cycle begins again in the next year. Though each cycle shares similar states, the specific cycle is almost always going to be different. Different levels of water, the temperature, insects, conditions of the land, all are in this state of impermanence. Impermanence requires that we continue with a beginner's mind if we wish to have success in cultivating our garden. Beginner's mind allows us to recognize new insights about Buddhist teachings we have become accustomed to hearing. May you all yield abundance from your beginner's mind garden. May it be so, Gasho. Well, thank you very much. I can attest to lessons learned through gardening. Uh, each year, 
you think you learned something, you know, uh, or you said, oh, I know how, I see, this is the trick in uh, plants. And, uh, or, but next year, somehow, things change, and what I thought was, what I had figured out was not exactly appropriate. Um, although I'm sure that I do learn and accumulate some general skills or knowledge about gardening in general and so forth, one of the things you learn is that every year is different. And um, that's maybe one of the reasons why I think people find gardening so um, fascinating, even though it may look uh, like it's the same thing. And in a lot of ways it is. You till the ground. But even tilling the ground, you learn uh, new ways to do that. You shovel in and and uh, pick it up in a certain way where you get more dirt on it. <laughs> I mean, uh, and as soon as you think you do figure something out, then you realize that you didn't know everything. This reminds me of a humorous quote, but still has a lot of teachings, truth into it. As a graduate student, uh, there was a small group of us, maybe six to eight guys, and we had a major professor. And as we approached uh, maybe our third year or beginning of the fourth year uh, in our program, uh, and we had to take these uh, co- what they call the comprehensive comprehensive exams, you know, comps. And this, you know, my my area was psychology, and you know, psychology has a lot of subspecialties: um, uh, learning, child development, sensation and perception, physiological, social, and. Uh, of course, you, you start to have your own area of interest, and but the comps means comprehensive. It covers the whole field all and all the subfields of psychology. Um, and the major professor addressed us, group of graduate students, and said, well, gentlemen, you're going to be starting on this next week for so many days, you know, very comprehensive exams where you get tested on your knowledge of the whole field of psychology. And right now is the point where you will know more about the entire broad scope of psychology than you ever will again in your career. Why? Because as you go on in your career, you will start to specialize and you will you will forget, you know, all the other areas of psychology. And not only that, but when you start to specialize, questions arise as you go deeper into a subject matter. Things that we thought were, as undergraduate students, you know, you teach them, this is the way, this is the law of behavior, here it is, and, you know, and you got to memorize that. 
later on we just, it said that well we lied to you <laughs> we, we you know we misled you what we thought was this firm law has a lot of ex- exceptions well it all depends on these conditions or this condition we really don't understand that simple law <laughs> and this is what specialization is you you look more deeply into a small little phenomena or something and behavior and more questions arise and you realize that you do, you didn't know a lot of things and things that you did know come into question and then the major professor said so the more you specialize the more you realize you don't know any hardly know anything until finally after many many years you realize that you don't know anything and then you retire <laughs> I always remember that nice story, and it does have a lot of truth to it. Because, you know, in the true realm, you find that the people that know a lot, you know, great teachers, they don't say much. And I think they sincerely feel there's not much to say, you know. Uh, Things are very simple and very complex at the same time. Things are reduced to further, further down, down, you know. It just keeps going. It's sort of like if you want to know about outer space, you got to keep going. Somehow it's infinite, and our knowledge has to be that way. And there's a lot of humility in that, you know, as Shunru Suzuki Roshi said in his classic book, Beginner's Mind's End Mind. Uh, in the expert's mind, you know, there's not very many possibilities. You know, he, he said, oh, this is it. But in the beginner's mind, there are a lot of possibilities. And this is how it is in spirituality, too, because uh, great kids, one of the really great uh, great quotes that I like is great listening. You think you're going to... It's easy to make a mistake. He says, oh, I'm going to find... The answer. I'm going to find a definite piece of knowledge. I'm going to find. I, I need to find a great teaching. That it's not. That process is not like that. Uh, as was said, you the person changes. You know, when you read a book, again, it's a different book because you changed. Uh, you know, different questions to ask. You come from a different context. You. You're a different listener. And uh, a given, say, talk by a great teacher is received differently by his audience, depending upon their own experiences. Uh, it's I think it's much more helpful to say, to really realize that it's not a great teaching that you have to find. You have to be a great listener. Um, or as a, I remember another one of my favorite quotes by T.S. Eliot, the poet, that he said something to the effect of, you, know, you, you come home and you know it for the first time. Uh, all the connotations of what home means uh, and coming home. 
sort of like a, a a revolution in the sense of you go complete circle and you come back to where you started from, but it's a completely different thing. Uh, <clears throat> there is a lot of, I think, teachings, parallels, metaphors, examples when we talk about beginner's mind and today's uh, Dharma events was happened to run do the parallel to to gardening through a metaphor, you know, it's very rich. And especially when you relate it to your own personal experiences, as I was doing in terms of my favorite quotes and so forth, you know. Uh, there's a lot of seeds that get sown in one's tilled cultivated mind and some of those seeds that you may not realize that were sown or planted or just thrown into the field by other people. It wasn't neatly planted in rows that that I, the gardener, did. But all kinds of things come up. And if you have a beginner's mind, you appreciate those things. You say, wow. That's all for today's broadcast. Till next time, keep growing and you have a very beautiful day. Thank you.